Chapter Five of the Blind Musician. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Blind Musician by Vladimir Korolenko. Chapter Five: Love. And thus a few more years went by. There were no changes in the peaceful mansion. The beech trees in the garden rustled as of old, only their foliage seemed to have grown darker and thicker. The white walls, although they had warped and settled more or less, shone precisely as they used. The thatched roofs frowned the same as ever, and even the well-known sound of Halakim's pipe might be heard at the usual hour from the direction of the stable but Hawakim himself, still a bachelor, and grown grey in the service as groom, chose rather to listen to the panage when he played, either the piano or the pipe, it mattered not which. Maxim, too, had grown still more grey. The Popelski had no other children, and therefore their first-born, the blind boy, remained as ever the central object of interest, around which clustered the life of the whole mansion. It was for his sake that the family had thus isolated itself within its own narrow circle, contented with its tranquil existence, whose current had now united with the equally placid life of the possessor's cabin. Thus Peter, who had now become a youth, had grown up like a hot-house plant, guarded from the rude winds of the outer world. He was still as of old in the centre of a vast dark world, Darkness enveloped him in every direction, above, around, on all sides, illimitable, eternal. His delicate and sensitive organism vibrated in response to every impression, like a finely strung instrument. This sensitive expectancy was perceptible in the blind youth's disposition. He seemed to feel that the darkness was about to stretch forth its invisible arms and arouse by its touch that which now lay dormant in his breast, waiting only for the summons. But the dreary darkness around him, familiar from his childhood, replied only by the caressing murmur that rose from the old garden, inspiring him with vague, tranquilizing and dreamy thoughts. The turbulent current of the far-off world, known to the blind boy only through the medium of song and story, had no entrance here. Amid the dreary whispers of the garden and the peaceful everyday life of the country house, he heard of the tumults and tribulations of the world from the lips of others, and his imagination pictured it all veiled in clouds of mystery, like a song, a heroic poem, or a fairy tale. Everything seemed favourable. The mother felt that the soul of her son, protected as by a wall, was living in an enchanted dream, which was tranquil even if it were unreal. Evelyn, who had imperceptibly grown to womanhood, watched this enchanted tranquillity with her calm gaze, sometimes showing a slight surprise or an expression of wonder as to future events, but never a shadow of impatience. Popelski, the father, had brought his estate into a prosperous condition, but the good man troubled himself very little about his son's future life. A man of Maxim's temperament could only be ill at ease in this quiet life. He simply endured it, looking upon it as a temporary arrangement which had interwoven itself into his plans in spite of himself. 
he deemed it necessary for the youth's interior nature to gain strength and maturity that he might be better able to cope with the rude assaults of life meanwhile outside the limit of this enchanted circle life went on seething bubbling and raging and at last the time came when the old veteran decided to break into this circle to open the door of the hot-house and admit a current of outside air part two by way of breaking the ice he invited an old friend who lived about seventy versts from the Popelski estate to pay him a visit in former times maxim used to be the visitor but he knew that some young people were staying at stavruchenko's house at the time and so he wrote him a letter inviting the whole party this invitation was accepted with pleasure the two old men were bound by ties of friendship and the young people were all familiar with the once famous name of maxim yatsenko connected as it was with many a romantic tale one of the sons of stavruchenko was a student in the university of kiev in the school of philology very popular at the time another son was studying music in the st petersburg conservatory another member of the party was a young cadet the son of a neighboring landlord stavruchenko was a vigorous old man gray-haired wearing a long moustache after the cossack fashion and the loose cossack trousers tucked into the boots his tobacco pouch and pipe were suspended from his belt and he spoke nothing but little russian and beside his two sons dressed in wide sleeveless coats and embroidered little russian shirts he vividly recalled goggles taras bulba with his followers but stavruchenko lacked the romantic characteristics of goggles hero he was on the contrary an excellent and practical landlord who has always got on well with the serfs and now that serfdom was abolished he was clever enough to adapt himself to the new conditions he knew the people after the landlord fashion that is he knew every peasant in his village and every peasant's cow and almost every extra coin in each peasant's purse but if savruchenko did not have hand-to-hand -hand encounters with his sons like bulba they were forever at odds regardless of time or place everywhere whether at home or abroad endless disputes arose between the old man and the young people it usually began on the part of the old man who was always jeering at the ideal paniches the paniches would grow excited the old man likewise whereupon an indescribable uproar would ensue during which both sides would give and take some pretty severe thrusts it was a reproduction of the differences between fathers and sons only in the southwest where a certain courtesy of manner prevails such scenes in the family circle are more gracefully managed the young people who had been away at school from early childhood had only seen the country during their vacation and therefore had not the practical knowledge possessed by the father landlords when that tidal wave known as the love of the people came rushing in upon society it found the young men in the higher classes of the gymnasium they turned their attention to the study of the lower classes seeking their information at first in books they soon proceeded however to the immediate study of the manifestations of the national spirit in its causes in the southwestern districts the young panaches in their white svitkas and embroidered shirts devoted themselves to the fashionable amusement of visiting the people they paid but slight attention to their economical condition but made notes of the words and music of the dumkas and songs 
studied the traditions, compared historical events with the traces they had left upon the popular mind, and looked upon the peasant in general through the poetical prism of an intellectually popular idealism. Thus the constant clashing of opinions, diametrically opposed to one another, entered into the disputes between the old man and the young people, and they were always at variance. And yet the old man himself listened with delight to the eloquent tirades of the young fellows. "'Just hear him,' Stavruchenko would say to Maxim, with a sly nudge of his elbow, while the student, with flushed face and sparkling eyes, was delivering his oration. "'Hear him. He talks like a book. One might really imagine him a clever man. You had better tell us, you wise head, how my nekipor deceived you.' The old man's moustaches twitched, and he laughed heartily as he related, with a purely ho-ho humour, the tale of their discomfiture. The young men blushed, but they paid him back in his own coin, saying, If they were not familiar with the Nekipors and Hvetkas in certain villages, they had studied the class as a whole, and from that point of view they deduced their generalizations. For the aged and experienced, whose habits of thought are fettered by routine, the forest is hidden by the trees that stand nearest, but young men can embrace the most remote perspective at a glance. The old man was not displeased to hear the learned discourses of his sons. They did not go to school for nothing, he often remarked, but I can tell you that my Kvetka will lead you like calves by a rope. That's the way it is. But he cannot deceive me, for I can stuff him into my tobacco pouch and put him in my pocket. You are nothing but youngsters and fools. Part 3 A discussion of this sort had but just ended. The other people returned to the house, and through the open windows one could, from time to time, hear snatches of Stavruchenko's funny stories, together with the merry laughter of his audience. The young people remained in the garden, the student spreading his fitka on the ground, with his sheepskin hat pushed on one side, had stretched himself out on the grass with affected carelessness. His older brother sat beside Evelyn on a bench near the wall. The cadet, in his carefully buttoned uniform, was seated next to them, while at a short distance, with drooping head, sat the blind youth, leaning back against the window-sill. He was turning over in his mind the discussions he had just heard, which had stirred him deeply, even to agitation. "'What did you think of all that was said just now, Pani Evelyn?' said the student, turning to her. "'You have not spoken a single word.' what you told your father is all very fine but well but what the young girl did not reply at once she let her work fall upon her lap smoothed it out and slightly bending forward began to examine it as if it absorbed her entire attention it would have been difficult to say whether she was considering the advisability of using coarser canvas for her embroidery or whether she was meditating over her reply meanwhile the young man waited impatiently the student his face kindling with interest rose on his elbow and turned toward the young girl her neighbour sat gazing at her with his calm and questioning eyes the blind young man abandoned his easy attitude sat up erect and turned his face away from the others but she said softly still smoothing out her embroidery every man must choose his own career gentlemen "'Lord bless us! What wisdom!' rudely exclaimed the student. 
Really, how old are you, Panny? Seventeen, replied Evelyn, simply, straightway adding with an air of mingled triumph and curiosity. I suppose you thought that I was a great deal older, didn't you? The young man laughed. Had I been asked for an opinion concerning your age, said her neighbour, I should have been quite at a loss to decide between thirteen and twenty-three. At times you seem a mere child, and the next moment I hear you reasoning with the wisdom of an aged dame. You must treat serious matters seriously, Gavrila Petrovitch, said the young girl in tones of admonition, and once more returned to her work. For a moment all were still. Evelyn resumed her needlework with her former deliberation, while the young man looked with curiosity at the miniature form of this wise young person. Although she had grown and developed considerably since the time of her first meeting with Peter, the student's comments upon her age were quite just. At the first glance this tiny, slender maiden seemed but a girl, although her tranquil, self-possessed movements revealed the dignity of a woman her face produced the same impression that type of face seems peculiar to the slav women handsome regular features outlined in calm severity blue eyes with a direct and tranquil gaze pale cheeks rarely tinged with colour not however the pallor that is ever ready to flush with a burning flame of passion but rather akin to the cold purity of the snow Evelyn's fair hair, glossy and abandoned, showing darker reflections about her marble-like temples, was drawn back and gathered into one massive braid which seemed to weigh her head back as she walked. The blind youth, too, had grown taller and more mature. Anyone seeing him at that moment, as he sat apart from the group just described, pale, agitated, and handsome, would have been instantly attracted by that peculiar face upon whose surface every emotion of the soul was so plainly reflected. His black hair waved over a high forehead faintly lined by premature wrinkles. His cheeks alternately flushed and grew pale. The lower lip, slightly drooping at the corners, twitched nervously from time to time, and the large handsome eyes with their unwavering gaze added to this eminently south russian type of face a somewhat unusual and sombre character so pani evelyn supposes said the student in a sarcastic tone after a short pause that the matters we have been discussing here are inaccessible to the feminine mind that her sphere is to be limited by the nursery and the kitchen the young girl replied with her usual seriousness no you are mistaken I understood all that was said, therefore it is accessible to a woman's mind. I spoke only for myself, individually. She became silent again, and bending over her work, seemed so absorbed in it that the young man had not the courage to pursue his questions. Strange, he muttered. One might suppose that you had deliberately planned the entire course of your life. Why should that seem strange, Gavrila Petrovitch? replied the young girl gently. Probably even Ilya Ivanovitch, that was the cadet's name, has plans for the future, and he is younger than I. You are right, remarked the cadet, flattered by this supposition. Not long ago I read the biography of N. He too had definite plans for his life. He married at twenty, and was a commander at twenty-five. The student laughed sarcastically, and the young girl blushed. You see, she said a moment later, in the same quiet tone, 
everyone plans his own career. No one replied, and a thoughtful silence fell upon the young people, a silence beneath which a certain awkwardness was evident. They were all aware that the conversation had become personal, and the rustle of the darkening and seemingly displeased old garden was all the sound they heard. Part 4 These conversations and discussions, this buoyant current of youthful life, charged with its questions, hopes, expectations, and opinions, came rushing like a passionate storm upon the blind youth. At first he listened to them with a look of surprise, but it was not long before he found that the stream rushed along paying no heed to him. No questions were asked him, neither was he invited to give his opinion, and it soon became evident to him that he stood apart in a solitude, the sadder since brought into contrast with the present wide-awake life of the mansion. Nevertheless, he listened to all this that was so new to him, and his contracted brow and pallid face bore witness to his intense interest. Yet this feeling was tinged with gloom. His brain was swarming with bitter thoughts. The mother looked sorrowfully at her son. Evelyn's eyes expressed sympathy and alarm. Maxim alone did not seem to notice the impression that this noisy company made upon his nephew, and hospitably invited the guests to come often, assuring the young man that he would furnish them with abundant ethnographical material on their next visit. The guests departed, promising to come again. The young man shook hands cordially with Peter when they said goodbye. He nervously returned their pressure, and for a long time listened to the sound of the britchka as it rolled along the road. Then he turned suddenly and went into the garden. After the departure of the guests, everything at the manor lapsed into its former tranquillity, but to the blind youth this silence seemed strange, unusual, and peculiar. It implied an acknowledgment that an important event had taken place on the estate. The silent garden paths where he was wont to hear only the whisper of the beech trees and the lilacs now resounded in his fancy with the echoes of the recent conversations. From the open window of the drawing-room he heard the voices of his mother and Evelyn arguing with Maxim. He was struck by the pathetic tone of entreaty in his mother's voice, while that of Evelyn rang out with indignation. Maxim, meanwhile, eagerly but firmly resisted the entreaties of the two women. Upon Peter's approach, these discussions instantly ceased. Consciously and with pitiless hand, Maxim had made the first breach in the wall which till now encompassed his nephew's world. The first noisy and tumultuous wave had already made its way through this breach, and the equilibrium of the young man's soul was shaken by its onslaught. Now he realized the limitation of his magic circle. The quiet of the estate seemed oppressive to him. The indolent whisper and rustle of the old garden hung like a weight upon the peaceful dream of his young soul. Something wavered to and fro in the darkness, pressing toward him with wistful and enticing eagerness. It called and beckoned, awakening the questions that had been slumbering within him. The pallor of his face and a dull, indefinite sense of misery in his soul were the visible signs that the summons was heard. Maxim, meanwhile, was preparing for a second breach. Part 5 When in the course of two weeks the young men accompanied by their father came to repeat their visit, Evelyn received them with a certain coolness, but she found it hard to resist the charming animation of youth. 
all day long the young man roamed about the village hunting and taking notes of the songs of the reapers and in the evening they assembled as before around the bench near the mansion on one of these evenings before evelyn realized the fact the conversation had turned to subjects of a somewhat personal character neither could the others have told how this had come about it had been as imperceptible as the fading of the evening twilight or the falling of the shadows in the garden as imperceptible as the first notes of the nightingale's song among the bushes the young student spoke passionately with a proud air of triumph and with all that ardour peculiar to youth which regardless of selfish calculations rushes to meet the unknown future there was a strange fascination in this ardent faith and something also akin to the indomitable power of a challenge the young girl blushed for she felt that this challenge was perhaps unconsciously directed at her she bent low over her work as she listened her eyes sparkled her face flushed her heart throbbed the light faded from her eyes her face grew pale she compressed her lips while her heart continued to beat still more violently and a look of alarm came over her features she was frightened for under the influence of this student's words the dark garden wall seemed to part before her eyes and through the opening she saw the faraway vista of a vast world full of life and activity she was startled it seemed to her that someone was about to pluck the knife from out her former wound this however was of short duration evelyn could control her own life of that she was well aware she had arrived at a decision in regard to her future life and this decision was to be final she had deliberated long concerning her first step in life and proposed to act in accordance with her plan this being accomplished she would try to make the most of life she turned her deep blue eyes from the student and looked toward the spot where peter had been sitting but he was no longer there then quietly folding her work evelyn rose also excuse me gentlemen she said addressing the guests if i leave you to yourselves for a while and she started along the garden path evelyn was not the only person who had felt disturbed this evening at the turn of the path where the settle had been placed the young girl heard the agitated voices of maxim and his sister yes i thought of her in this connection no less than i did of him the old man was saying and his tone was harsh i cannot believe that you wish to take advantage of the ignorance of a mere child tears were in the voice of anna mikhailovna as she replied but max what if if she what will become of my boy maxim had no time to reply the young girl who had paused instinctively at the turning now quickly advanced and with proudly erect head walked past the speakers maxim involuntarily drew up his crutch that it might not be in her way and anna mikhailovna looked at her with an expression of love mingled with adoration almost amounting to awe the mother seemed conscious that this fair proud girl who had just passed by with a look so angry and defiant held in her hands the happiness or unhappiness of her son part six a ruined and abandoned mill stood in the garden the wheels had ceased to turn the cylinders were overgrown with moss 
and the water trickled through the old locks in slender, never-ceasing streams. This was the blind youth's favorite resort. Here he would spend hours on the parapet of the dam, listening to the sound of the trickling water, which he later reproduced to perfection on the piano. But now he was thinking of other things. Rapidly he trod the path, his heart filled with bitterness, and his face distorted by suffering. He paused when he heard the young girl's light step, accustomed as he was to confide all his feelings to her he felt no embarrassment in her presence evelyn rested her hand on his shoulder as she asked what is it why are you so sad he did not reply at first but turning began once more to pace up and down the path the young girl walked beside him thus a few minutes went by in silence it seemed as if the presence of evelyn had a tranquillizing influence upon peter's mood the keen pain diminished, his face grew more peaceful, the flood of sadness that had overwhelmed his soul began to subside, and a new sense of mingled pleasure and expectancy had taken possession of him. This feeling, to whose healing influence he had often yielded, he had never yet made an attempt to analyse, and now again his mood grew tender, although a shade of sadness still remained of course it made me feel sad he said after a moment's silence because i understood their words although they were not directed toward me i am useless quite useless in the world and why was i born into it the girl glanced up at him with a look of alarm and then as if with settled purpose she bent her head and resumed her walk by his side the blind youth stopped short why i ask was i born into the world and another thing, it may perhaps be true, as old people say, that affairs have changed for the worse. Yet, in old times, the blind fared better than they do now. There was work for them, and they had a place in life. Why was I not born in times when blind minstrels used to wander from place to place? I would then take my lyre or bandur and go from city to city and through the villages and distant steppes, and wherever I appeared the people would gather around me while I sang to them of the deeds of their fathers, glorious and heroic, stirring their holiest feelings and inspiring them with energy and courage. Thus I too could play a part in life, but now even that cadet with his shrill voice you heard what he said about marrying and being a commander. They laughed at him, but for me even that is unattainable. Tears came into the young girl's eyes, widening with alarm. You are excited by the student's talk. She tried to speak lightly, but her agitation betrayed itself in her voice. Yes, replied Peter thoughtfully, and what an agreeable fellow he is. He has a very pleasing voice. Yes, he is agreeable said evelyn abstractedly and her tone evinced a certain tenderness then as if vexed with herself she suddenly exclaimed in a passionate voice no i don't like him at all he has too much self-assurance and i think his voice is harsh and disagreeable peter listened in surprise to this angry sally the girl stumped her foot as she went on and it is all the most perfect folly I know it has been a plan of Maxim's contriving. Oh, how it makes me hate him! Why, Velia, expostulated the blind youth, how can you blame Uncle Maxim for what has happened? 
Oh, he thinks himself extremely clever, and he has destroyed every vestige of humanity within his breast by all these plans and schemes. Don't speak to me of those people. I should like to know how they gained the right to arrange other people's lives. She stopped abruptly, clenched her slender hands, and burst into a flood of childlike tears. Peter took her hand and pressed it sympathetically. He was taken by surprise. This outburst from the usually calm and self-controlled girl was both unexpected and mysterious. As he listened to her weeping, he was conscious of a new and peculiar emotion stirring within his breast. Suddenly she gave him a fresh surprise by withdrawing her hand and bursting into a fit of laughter. How silly I am! What in the world am I crying about? She wiped her eyes and went on good-naturedly. One must be just. They are both good, honest men, and what he said was all very well, but it does not apply to everyone. To everyone who has the power, replied the blind youth, scarce audibly. What nonsense, she answered brightly, but in spite of her cheerfulness, the traces of recent tears could still be detected in her voice. Take Maxim, for instance. He fought as long as he was able, and now he lives as best he may. And we also— You say we? Why do you say that? interrupted Peter. Because, well, because sometime you will marry me, and our lives will be one. Strangely confused and yet rejoicing, the blind young man drew back a step. I marry you? You mean that you will marry me? why of course of course she replied with mingled haste and agitation how dull you must be can it be possible that you have never thought of it it seems so natural whom could you marry if not me to be sure he assented in his inconsiderate egotism but instantly reflecting have you forgotten velia he said taking her by the hand what these young men have just been telling us about the education that girls receive in the great cities? Consider what a career lies open before you, while I... Well, what about you? I am blind, he ended in a somewhat illogical conclusion. The girl smiled, but continued in the same tone. What if you are blind? I love you even so. Hence it follows that I must marry you. That is the way things happen. What can we do about it? He also smiled and dropped his head after his usual pensive fashion, as though he were listening to some voice within his soul. No sound could be heard save the gentle rippling of the water, and even that low murmur seemed at times to die away, but only to return with greater force and ripple on forever. The leaves of the luxuriant wild cherry tree whispered to one another, and the last pensive trills of the nightingale's song echoed through the garden. By this bold, unexpected, and yet gentle stroke, the young girl had dispelled the lowering clouds that darkened the blind youth's heart. Inspired by the new feeling that had taken possession of his whole being, he fervently pressed her little hand in his. A faint, almost imperceptible pressure was the response. Then he clasped her round the waist and drew her toward him, gently stroking her silken hair with his other hand. "'Please let me go, darling,' said the young girl, in low, shy tones, as she released herself from his embrace. 
Evelyn's soft voice thrilled the blind youth's heart. He made no effort to detain her, but as he yielded, he heaved a profound sigh. He heard her smoothing her hair. His heart throbbed in deep but pleasing excitement, and he could feel the hot blood surging with a force hitherto unknown. And when a moment later she said to him, Come, let us go back to the company, he heard with delight and surprise a new music in her charming voice. Part 7 The hosts were in the little drawing-room, and all the guests had likewise assembled there. The only missing members were Peter and Evelyn. Maxim was conversing with his old comrade, and the young men sat in silence beside the open windows. One could not fail to observe the strangely quiet yet expectant air that brooded over this little circle, as if each one had a premonition of an impending crisis. Although Maxim never interrupted his conversation, he kept all the while throwing swift impatient glances toward the door. Pani Popelska was trying to play the amiable and devoted hostess, but her face bore a sad and almost guilty look. Pan Popelski alone, who had grown a good deal stouter, but had lost none of his amiability, sat quietly dozing in his chair, waiting for supper. All eyes turned in that direction when footsteps were heard on the terrace, which led from the garden into the drawing-room. Within the broad, dusky doorway appeared the figure of Evelyn, with the blind youth slowly mounting the steps behind her. The young girl, although conscious that every eye rested upon her, was not in the least embarrassed. Crossing the room with her usual composure, she smiled slightly as she met the glance that Maxim darted at her from beneath his brows, and her own eyes flashed back defiance. Maxim grew suddenly abstracted, and replied at random when a question was directly addressed to him. Pani Popelska watched her son. The young man followed the maiden, giving no apparent heed to the direction in which she was leading him. When his slender form and pale face appeared against the background of the doorway, he seemed to pause on the threshold of that room so brightly lighted and filled with guests. But after a moment's hesitation, he crossed it with the air of one both absent-minded and intensely absorbed, went up to the piano and opened it. For the moment Peter seemed utterly unconscious of his surroundings, forgetful of the presence of strangers, and instinctively longing for his favourite instrument as a vent whereby to express the emotions that were filling his bosom. Having raised the piano lid, with his fingers resting lightly on the keys, he struck a few rapid chords. It was as if he were putting a question, half to the instrument and half to his own soul. Then, with his hands still resting on the keys, he remained plunged in deep thought, while utter silence reigned in the little drawing-room. The night looked in through the dusky windows, and here and there clusters of green leaves, shining in the lamplight, peered curiously in from the garden. The guests, their attention aroused by these few whispering chords, and influenced more or less by the strange inspiration that seemed to radiate from the face of the blind youth, sat in silent expectation. But Peter remained as before, his eyes uplifted, as if he were listening. Mingled emotions chased one another like billows through his heart. He had been uplifted by the tide of a new life, even as a boat, 
after a long and peaceful rest upon the sandy shore is suddenly tossed upward by the waves question surprise and unwanted excitement filled his mind the blind eyes dilating alternately sparkled and grew dim for a moment one might imagine that he had not found within his soul the response for which he so eagerly listened but all at once with the same eager face as though he could no longer wait he started touched the keys and upborne by new waves of emotion surrendered himself to the tide that swept onward in full resonant and tumultuous chords they gave voice to the countless memories of his past life which had thronged upon him as with drooping head he sat there listening the multitudinous voices of nature the moaning of the wind the whispering of the forest the ripple of the river and that indefinite murmur which is lost in the remote distance could be heard intermingling forming a sort of background for the deep and inscrutable agitation that swells the heart and lips up in the soul at the beating of nature's mysterious whisper a feeling not easily defined sadness why then is it so sweet joy then why is it so profoundly so inexplicably sad all this was evoked by the blind musician's fingers in low soft tones at first hesitating and vague his imagination strove as it were to gain control over this flood of chaotic images and without success those powerful and depressing influences of an impetuous and passionate nature confused and vague though they were had taken full possession of the musician but were as yet wholly beyond his control from time to time the sounds grew in volume and power one felt that the player must presently combine them into a melodious and perfect flood of harmony and his audience listened in breathless expectation maxim wondered all the while as to the cause of the unusual depth of feeling displayed but before the flood had time to rise to its full height it suddenly subsided into a plaintive murmur like a wave breaking into foam and spray and again nothing was heard but the sad lingering notes that rang like questions in the air the blind man paused for a moment but the silence in the drawing-room remained uninterrupted save by the rustling noise of the leaves in the garden the fascination which had transported his listeners far beyond these walls suddenly vanished and until the musician again struck the keys of the instrument they realized that they were seated in a small room with a dark night peering in at the windows again the sounds rose and fell as if vainly seeking after the unknown charming folk songs were interwoven with the vague harmony of the chords songs telling of love and sorrow or reminiscences of the glories and sufferings of bygone days or the eager impetuosity of youth and hope the blind man thus striving to express his feelings by embodying them in forms already familiar to his imagination but the song too ended with the same minor note like an unanswered question echoing through the silence of the little drawing-room then for the third time peter began to play a piece which he had once learned by heart and again broke off possibly he had hoped to find the musical genius of the composer in sympathy with his mood part eight it is a very difficult matter for a blind man to play by note 
These are printed in relief like the letters which they use. Each note has its special sign and stands in a row like the lines of a book. To designate the notes that form the chords, raised points are placed between them. It is, of course, a difficult and complicated task for a blind person to learn these by heart, each hand separately. But in Peter's case, the labor was lightened by his love for the integral parts of the work. Memorizing a few chords for one hand at a time, he would place himself at the piano, and when, from the combining of these hieroglyphics in relief, all of a sudden surprising harmonies resulted, it gave him a delight keen enough to enliven the otherwise dull work and render it fascinating. Yet even so, there still remained a weary way between the printed sheets of music and the execution of the same, for in order that the signs might be embodied in melody, the hands had first to transmit them to the memory, and the memory in its turn to send them back to the fingers. Meanwhile, however, Peter's strongly developed musical instinct and imagination, that had already taken a definite form, began to play a part in the complicated labor of memorizing, and to stump the work of the composer with a distinct impress of the player's own individuality. Thus far, the form which his musical feeling had taken was for the most part derived from his mother's playing. All nature spoke to his soul in the language and music of the folk songs of his native land. While with beating heart and soul overflowing with emotion, Peter now played this piece, from the very first resonant chords there was such brilliancy, animation, and genuine feeling, and at the same time something so characteristic of the player, that an expression of wonder was mingled with delight on the faces of the listeners. The next moment, however, the wonder was wholly merged in delight, and the elder Stavrochenko's son, a professional musician, as he listened, strove for a long time to follow the familiar piece, and at the same time to analyze the peculiar style of the pianist. Music recognizes no party. It stands aloof from the clashing of opinions. If the eyes of the young people sparkled, and their faces flushed, and daring conceptions of future life and happiness sprang up in their minds, so also the eyes of the old skeptic sparkled with animation. At first, old Stavrochenko sat with bowed head, listening in silence, but little by little he grew animated, and gently touching Maxim, whispered, How finely he plays! Wonderfully, it must be confessed, by Jove! As the sound swelled, the thought came into his mind, probably of his youth, for his eyes sparkled, his face flushed. He straightened himself, and, raising his arm, seemed about to dash his clenched hand upon the table, but, restraining himself, allowed it to fall silently. Casting one rapid glance at his boys, he stroked his moustache, and, leaning toward Maxim, whispered, They talk of putting us old people into the archives. Nonsense! There was a time when you and I... And even now, is it not true? Anna Mikhailovna looked inquiringly at Evelyn. The girl had folded her work on her knees and sat watching the blind musician, but her blue eyes expressed nothing beyond a rapt attention. She was interpreting those sounds in her own way. She fancied she could hear in them the pattering sound of the water in the old locks and the whisper of the wild cherry-tree in the dusky avenue. 
Part 9. But the face of the blind man showed none of the rapture that had taken possession of his audience. It was plain that even this piece had not given him the satisfaction he was looking for. The last notes vibrated with the others, intimating the same question, a murmur of dissatisfaction, and as the mother looked at her son's face, she saw in it an expression which was familiar to her. The sunny day of that far-away spring was revived in her memory when her boy lay prostrated on the bank of the river, overcome by the too vivid emotions of the new and exciting world of spring. This expression, however, rested but for a moment on Peter's face, then vanished. Now the hum of voices filled the parlour. Stavrichenko embraced the musician with enthusiasm. "'By Jove, my dear fellow, you play finely. That is the kind of playing we like.' The young people, still excited and agitated, were shaking hands with him. The student prophesied a worldwide fame for him as an artist. "'That is true,' assented the elder brother. "'You are fortunate to have become thoroughly familiar with the character of the folk songs. You are a perfect master in that domain. But will you tell me, please, what was the last piece you played?' Peter gave the name of an Italian piece. "'I thought so,' replied the young man. "'I am somewhat familiar with it. You have a remarkably original style.' many play it more correctly than you but no one has ever yet played it with such effect why do you think that others play it more correctly asked his brother well how can i convey my meaning i have always heard it performed just as it is written while this sounds like a translation from the italian into little russian the blind man listened attentively it was a new thing for him to be the centre of animated conversation and he was proud to feel his power so he too might accomplish something in life as he sat there with his hand resting on the music rack listening to all this talk suddenly a warm touch fell on his hand it was evelyn who had drawn near and who now with the fugitive pressure of his fingers whispered joyously you hear you too will have work in the world if you could only see the effect you produce on others by your playing the blind man started and drew himself erect no one but the mother noticed this little interlude her face flushed as deeply as if she had just received the first kiss of a newborn and passionate love the blind man still remained on the same spot and his face had not yet lost its pallor overwhelmed as he was by the impressions of his new happiness he may also have felt the approach of the storm that like a dark and shapeless cloud was rising out of the depths of his brain End of chapter five